Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is Anthony Pagnotta back with you, and no, we are not doing another edition of the quarantine interview series just yet. You guys have to wait until Sunday for that to come out. Um, but we have to get on here tonight and talk about the commitments of two huge prospects for the Tar Heels. They landed them today. Uh, and uh, we, we wanted to give you some immediate reaction to the commitments of 2021 four-star linebacker Ra Ra Dilworth, as well as 2021 three-star offensive guard Jared Wilson. And to do that, here with me is Zach Hubbard. And first of all, uh, we do want to uh, just check up and, and see how you're doing through all this. Uh, we haven't talked since uh, everything happened with the coronavirus outbreak. So uh, how are you and your family holding up right now during uh, what is it's just an unprecedented time in the history of the United States. Yes, I'm doing well. I'm you know, able to work from home and do everything with that. So uh, myself, my friends, my family, for the most part, are doing well. Um, like you mentioned, you know, it's a pretty unprecedented time um, in the United States and in the world at large. So you know, a lot of people struggling, a lot of people um, having a tough time. So, you know, we on the podcast do want to give, you know, our thoughts and prayers to that at this time but you know more specifically to the world of recruiting we've seen um things kind of take a standstill i mean the whole the whole spring recruiting is essentially gone summer's up in the air the season's even up in the air uh, to some degree so you know there's a lot of fluidity to what we're seeing right now and that's no different you know in the world of recruiting to some extent we've seen kids extended out and you know, more specifically to the Tar Heels, we've seen some, you know, prized in-state prospects decide they wanted to jump on board. 
Yeah, that's uh, exactly what happened today. Uh, the Tar Heels, of course, uh, were expecting the commitment of 2021 four-star linebacker Raniria Dilworth, as we told you and, and we're kind of giving you updates on throughout the week. Um, this came after uh, just kind of a roller coaster commitment for or uh, recruitment for him, I should say, um, where he went from pretty much saying he was going to commit but wouldn't announce officially until May 9th. Uh, he said that back in about February. Then in mid-March, said he was going to push his decision back, but decided just a couple of weeks ago that he was going to go ahead and go through with his decision. Actually, uh, about a week ago, made that uh, known and was going to announce it uh, via live stream. Um, that turned into what was eventually a surprise commitment um, from one of his buddies. But let's talk about Raniria Dilworth first. And this was a guy that when we go back and, and, and if people have been following along with us here throughout this offseason when we did the podcast where we talked about the 2021 class and we really turned our focus there after the 2020 class became final and we talked about our favorite prospects this was the guy that topped your list and for a while his recruitment was kind of all over the place the Tar Heels had an early lead then Alabama made a huge push actually ended up taking the lead in a lot of people's minds and then Carolina with a late push actually ended up taking over again and now they land his commitment in your mind, how big of a of, of a commitment is this for the Tar Heels, and what does this do for their 2021 class? Well, you know, as we've said previously here on the podcast, and as you mentioned, he was number one on my board uh, in the 2021 class for the Tar Heels, and that's still the case as of today. I think he is an absolutely incredible prospect, and you know, looking through his various list of finalists, you know, from his top five to his top two. Um, with schools like Alabama and Georgia in the mix, two schools that are known for producing high-quality linebackers. That should tell you in and of itself, this kid is a legit linebacker prospect. I mean, he just flies all over the field. He's a you know triple-digit tackle guy at the high school level. Really just crazy and has a lot of positional uh, versatility as well, which is key to the Jay Bateman defense. You know, can rush the passer, can play you know, in the middle of the field as a true linebacker, run stuff, but then drop back into coverage really gives you a whole bunch of options. And I'm almost positive that's exactly how this Tar Heel defensive staff is going to use him. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, had narrowed his list down to three finalists of UNC, Alabama, uh, UGA, South Carolina, and NC State. Really only got a visit two of those before, you know, everything shut down. Uh, only got to visit North Carolina and Alabama. Uh, with that Alabama visit, they did make a pretty big push. You know, that's one of their big things in their recruiting is getting kids on campus. Same with Clemson, same with UNC, same with a lot of these schools. If they can get you on campus, you know, they'll get some momentum there. So Alabama definitely had some momentum and even, you know, had a, a lead for a period of time. Thought there was going to be, you know, a commitment, a silent commitment, and then an announcement uh, later on. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, broaden it out a little bit, then narrowed it back down to those two, and obviously, as we saw today, committed to the Tar Heels. So, you know, I think it's, uh, as we mentioned, just the way that he fits into the Jay Bateman defense, I think that was probably one of the biggest selling factors um, in terms of the fact that we'll use you all over the field and use you anywhere within the, you know, this new UNC defense, but I think it's also the familiarity, and that's what we've heard a lot from a lot of these in-state kids, is really the UNC staff is you know broadcasting we want to get the majority of our kids from in-state we think that this is a state that has 
know, that produces high quality prospects and that can compete for ACC titles and national championships. And I think that's resonated with a lot of these kids. And um, Dilworth was definitely one of them. I think that, you know, from what I've heard, he's got a lot of really close family connections. He's really close with his family. And that definitely played a role here in um, leading him to decide, you know, that his best option was to stay close to home and play for the Tar Heels. Building a fence around the state of North Carolina was one of the things that Mac Brown really focused on when he came back and was talking in his introductory press conference even about what they wanted to do in the state of North Carolina. And, you know, it was one thing to say it at the time, and, you know, he really showed some great progress in, in 2019, bringing that class back from one that was rated in in, in the high 80s at one point uh, when everybody kind of decommitted, which was expected anyways. Um, to even getting it to where he got it in 2020, which was a really good spot for him. But this is, I I think, starting to show exactly what he had in mind, which is pretty much when there is a chance that a team can come in and walk in and take a prospect that you really want, you're going to find a way late in the process to buckle down and find a way to steal that commitment back into your hands and keep that player home. That's what they did with Dilworth because – I'm going to be honest, there was a time uh, just about a month ago where I wrote an article about the most important remaining targets in the class, and Dilworth was number 10 on the list because you just didn't get the feeling that Every, that, that things were going in the right direction for Carolina. You kind of felt like from everything that we were hearing, Bryce Steele was going to be the guy that they were going to take out of the two because they felt that Dilworth was really trending towards Alabama. Um, they just felt that there was more communication between the Bama staff and him than there was between the Toriel staff and them at the time. And, and that was kind of where I had him as well. I was, I, I was pretty much chalking it up where I knew they would try to make a push, but in my mind, I was saying, okay, we've got to kind of look somewhere else just in case. And you got to hand it to the staff. They really fought back to get a guy that, like you said, really fits what this defense needs. And I know that they've got a guy in Gabe Stevens who, who kind of fits that same role in this class. We know that you know Gabe Stevens has played everywhere from defensive end to linebacker, even to corner his first year. And I still think that might be his position of fit. But this also allows them to potentially be able to move him elsewhere around in this defense. Uh, There's been some rumors that he's a good enough pass rusher, a smart enough guy, that if they put the amount of weight that is necessary, probably somewhere, I mean, he's never really going to be as big as some of these other guys, but if they could get him probably to about 240 or, or, or maybe 245, they could probably use him there. This allows them to be able to use some of that creativity because I mean, Dilworth, we, we talked about him when you were really breaking him down as to why he was your number one guy. He's got a little bit of that Isaiah Simmons type of player. And again, we're not trying to say that he is Isaiah Simmons. That is a humongous comparison. That's a guy that's probably about to go top five in the NFL draft. Is really a guy that's almost transcending and, and building a position on a on defenses, especially at the college level. But this is the new thing that you're going to start to see become really popular throughout college football is this position of a guy that 
can do everything from rush the passer to cover in space. And and we've seen guys like that before, but usually it's more of your middle linebacker who can kind of hold his own in space. This is a guy that has good enough coverage ability that they could pass as a safety. And, you know, we kind of got a glimpse of it this past year with Dominique Ross, but I feel like Dilworth has a higher ceiling than Ross. I feel like he's a guy that's got is a little bit better in coverage. His short area quickness is much better. I mean, if you turn on his film, um, when he's he's got unbelievable straight line speed, as witnessed by the four three five forty. You don't really need to know much more about that. Um, but the short area quickness, just to be able to make up a lot of space really quickly, that's the thing that I think is really important when you talk about linebackers. And it's one of the things that when I talked about the guy that I really valued in this class that the Toriels have committed. In Power Eccles, I talk so much about it because it, it helps you to where if you make a little bit of a mistake reading something, you have so much speed that you can find a way to make it up and still get back into a gap to be able to make a tackle. And that's something that Dilworth can do. He's a good tackler in open space as well. There's just so many things to like about him. And now, I mean, you got to think about this. The Tar Heels in this class, we know that they're going to lose Chaz Surratt. Uh, I don't think they're going to end up losing Jeremiah Gemmel after this next year because, you know, I, I, Jeremiah is, is a good player, but I just don't think he has that upside to go ahead and leave early to go to the NFL. But this is still a position the Tar Heels are pretty thin at in terms of linebacker. I think this is huge. You land two guys that right now are not only some of the best players in the state of North Carolina, they are two of the best linebackers in the entire country. And these are not two guys that are you know near the top of the rankings and are dropping. Both guys are trending up as we go throughout the ratings process. Uh, both guys both had a, an increase in the last ratings from 24-7 sports as they continue to trend up. So it, these are two guys that are, that are growing near elite prospects, already four-star guys. Um, I don't think either one of them will probably reach five-star status, but this is huge. And, and now, I mean, just from, at least from my perspective, I could not be more excited about the future of the linebacker position, something that I don't know about you. I really haven't felt this probably since the Quant Sturdivant, Bruce Carter, uh, Zach Brown, Kevin Reddick type days. Well, it, it's definitely been a while. And um, even through some of the, you know, in more recent history, the Larry Fedora era, it was really one of the positions that was criticized often um, in relation to the run defense and then, you know, short passes over the middle and everything along those lines. You bring, like we've mentioned numerous times, you bring in these superior athletes here in the position, you really solidify each position of your defense. You see that difference on the field. I think we've started to see a little bit that this past season, but you, you know, you add in these athletes, you develop them at each level as opposed to stacking them one or the other, what have you. You can see the difference. I feel like these two guys, and you, as you mentioned, are both difference makers. Guys that are rising in the rankings. Guys that really, you know, fit, um, that are complementary. Um, if you want to, you know, in a 3-4 system, generally you have those two inside linebackers playing on the field at one time. Mm-hmm. In the dime, you'll have one, and you can you know switch out as needed. But you have Dilworth that's probably considered would be considered more of a coverage linebacker, where you have Power Eccles um, that you probably consider more in the box yeah. as a little mm-hmm. bit more physical. But obviously, they can do both real well. 
and they really complement each other and you can you know rotate them as needed and use them both so i mean if you're looking for an inside linebacker hall in the 2021 class i think it's going to be hard to beat you know these two uh the north carolina already have on the board yeah no and i mean there is still a chance that they can go out and get some other guys i know look we, we, bryce Steele is going to announce his commitment tomorrow he was a guy that the tar heels were closely tied to for a while um i know he's now listed as an inside linebacker but just i know from my perspective and i'd be interested to hear what you think I don't see him as an inside linebacker. I think he has good enough coverage skills because he's played a lot of safety to where you could probably use, you're probably going to use him in a similar role that you would to Dilworth. And I think that's why, because I've seen a lot of people sort of questioning, you know, why have the Tar Heels sort of grown a- away from him? What is happening? Is this on the Tar Heel side? Is this on um, the Steel side? I think it's a kind of a little bit of both, but I would lean more towards the Tar Heel side of things just because you know they're looking at it as they had to kind of make a decision between two prospects here already with a guy in, in, in Gabe Stevens who we talked about earlier who's committed already in the class and a couple other guys that you know are still going to be there like Kadri Jackson who kind of fits that role as well and is probably going to play that role this year and guy and Eugene Asante is another one who could play that role those types of guys are already there and and you bring in these other two guys I think that's where they kind of had to make a decision and kind of tell Steele also like look we're not you know trying to bring you in here and and, and kind of handcuff you and make you have to battle for you know through a bunch of different guys if there's a better position if there's a better fit for you I like South Carolina um, which is where most people see him now um, but to me I, I mean Carolina goes with Dilworth I think over Steele they make the decision it's a tough one I'm not going to say that Bryce Steele is not a talented player I watched this film there's a lot to like about him but out of the two guys I, I think Dilworth's probably got the higher ceiling um, fits the defense just a little bit better um, and and you know I think honestly Carolina it goes with the right decision here you know in your in, in your eyes what did you think of, of Bryce Steele is he a guy that you think could still be in play for Carolina maybe at, 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 if they use him at inside linebacker or do you feel like he's just too similar to Dilworth in terms of fit that um, it's probably the right move that Carolina is going to end up watching him go to South Carolina well I, I think to that question in particular I, I do want to say first like you that um, he is a very good you know, prospect either linebacker, inside, outside linebacker, or safety. Um, I think he has the versatility to really do any of those. I think that you could add some weight to him and play him inside, maybe a smaller inside linebacker, but still an inside linebacker. But if you have one spot that you have to fit, and it's between Renaria Dilworth or Bryce Steele, I'm probably choosing Renaria Dilworth nine times out of ten for that. Not to say, like you said, that Bryce Steele is is a bad prospect in any uh, in any stretch of the imagination. He's right. certainly a good prospect. Right. But, um, you know, in this class specifically, there's limited spots. Um, there's only so many you know inside linebackers you can take, and you know there were decisions that were made. Um, one other wrinkle that I think could be a piece of it is. Um, the fact that Bryce Steele is uh, coming off of injury uh, had, um, I believe, a leg injury that, that kept him out yep. a good deal, if not all of his junior season. So, you know, that's going to play a factor in how schools evaluate you and evaluate risk versus reward in terms of taking your commitment. So, you know, I think it was a little bit on, on both parties. Um, to my understanding, the linebacker depth at South Carolina is even more thin than it is at North Carolina. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that would be appealing 
a prediction. You know, never say never. Things could be right. vastly different. Things can change. These are, you know, 17 to 18 year old kids that are making these decisions. So things are very fluid. I don't think it's going to be North Carolina. I think it will be South Carolina. But, you know, never say never in these situations. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, all the crystal balls really are saying that, too. You've seen uh, really once they knew his commitment was coming, um, Dilworth got a lot of crystal balls to Carolina. And most of those same guys that were predicting him to go to Carolina were predicting Bryce Steele to go to South Carolina, which was a huge swing because North Carolina for a long time was in the driver's seat, but it seems like uh, he's going to still be in a spot that's going to fit him well, and that's ultimately a decision that I think uh, both sides can live with. Now, the big question I think that a lot of people are going to have also is, is this it at linebacker? Do you think that they're still going to look at the possibility of bringing in one other guy that we've talked about? a lot here on the podcast as well as I've written about a lot on the blog. Do you think that Damian Wilson is still in play or does this commitment take Damian Wilson out? I don't think that it necessarily takes Damian Wilson out. I think the most important thing probably in this scenario is that there is less of a need for either Bryce Still or Damian Wilson. Now that you have two you know, linebacker types as opposed to one, uh, you sort of have flexibility. And I think you know, with the class as a whole, you know, are at 14 at this point, kind of getting down to the final spots as it looks to be a, a smaller class. So, you know, it's now time for the staff to sort of make those decisions and right. see, you know, do we have a spot for you? Do we not have a spot for you in terms of that? And uh, I, I think also I, I'm not entirely sure how, um, you know, quick Damian Wilson is trying to make that commitment. Commitment. I know that, you know, from the Targill's perspective, if they've got a spot open for him and they're ready to take him with any prospect, they're going to be pushing to get that commitment as soon as possible. That's just how the Targill staff operates. But I don't know, you know, from his perspective, if he's looking to do that. Uh, I'm sure that he knows, you know, if there's a spot open for him or not. I can't say one way or the other at this point uh, with this new commitment. But I definitely think that door's still open. How long it'll be open, I can't say. Um, I think with you know him joining the Targo class, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is just the time frame and the fact you know there are going to be decisions at every position group that they're going to have to make going forward. They've been able to get um, at least one guy at almost every position group except for tight end at this point, uh, which is a position they're still looking for. So you know spots are limited. Will there be one for Damian Wilson now? Will there be one for Damian Wilson in the fall or winter? These are questions, um, you know, that we don't have the answer to right now, and ultimately that's for him to answer. Yeah, I think he's close to a, a decision. I think uh, he's definitely got his top schools in mind. Um, and I think one thing that's really interesting is when you look at this, the makeup of this team right now, I would say that tight end, like you mentioned, is probably a spot where they're I would be shocked if they don't bring a guy in at tight end. Um, now, the thing is, is is there a guy already committed in the class that could be a tight end? We don't know. I mean, I don't... There, there have been so many mentions of where they could possibly play Caleb Hood. I don't think he has the size to play there. Um, and it, I, I, being a guy that's a quarterback now uh, that really thrives using his legs, I just don't see that being a fit for him. Um, you know, it also kind of depends on what 
a, a guy that's currently in the class does, where does Jefferson Boaz go? Does he stick at quarterback or does he go over to tight end? Because that would add another freshman, meaning that they would have three guys from this past class as true freshmen coming in uh, that are tight ends. Um, I think that could play a big factor. If they want to bring in a tight end, there's two guys to keep an eye on. Miles Campbell out of the state of Georgia um, is one of the guys. And then, of course, Bryson Nesbitt, who's been a longtime target from right here in the Charlotte area. Um, so I, I think that's an area that maybe you look at as a position in need. And I know I'm, I'm going to write an article on this and, and kind of go through and, and, and spend a little bit of time here once we get through because there might still be a, a, another guy or two that might end up joining this wave. Um, there's nothing concrete right now, um, but there are some rumors that there are some guys definitely thinking after today um, could end up committing sometime soon. So I'll hold off. But when you look at the other needs on this team, I don't really know if there is a huge need. I feel like they would like to probably add another running back in this class if they could, which is pretty much going to be reserved for Will Shipley. Um, if they can get him to commit to Carolina, they would. he would be a take, no doubt, in my mind. One of the best prospects in the state, one of the best prospects in the entire country, and a guy that would add just a totally different element to your offense, being a guy that's compared to Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, more often than not, especially in this area. Um, and then also, I think that if Evan Pryor was to want to flip his commitment, that would be maybe another area. I'd, so running back is, is a spot where people might look to because they're if they can, I think they probably want to use DeAndre Boykins on the defensive side of the ball. Other than that, I mean, it's it's really far-fetched to find a position where they are dying for someone. It's more of if a guy was to commit, would they be willing to take his commitment? So I think linebacker is still a spot where you're kind of thin. Um, you're still going to have guys that, in, in the three deep at least, that are going to be walk-ons because you just don't have the, the depth there just yet. Um, so I think I think Wilson probably still is a take at this point. I think uh, if he ends up committing there, Carolina would bring him in. He's another guy that's kind of trending up as we go along. 24-7 Sports released their latest rankings. He's a guy that continues to trend up. So there's a lot to like about him. A guy that is kind of the definition of, of a true inside linebacker. Um, really isn't, isn't a guy that's going to get out in coverage that often, but can come up, fill the gap real well. So I think it's going to be interesting. He's a name that you know uh, is not going to disappear after today. If the Tarios were going to take both Dilworth and Steele, I think then Wilson would have been off the board. But I think uh, I think you're right. He's still on the board as of right now. So let's move over, talk about Jared Wilson. Uh, his commitment kind of caught a, uh, some people off guard. They didn't know uh, that he was actually going to commit today. A lot of people thought, um, just from kind of reading into his social media post, that he was probably going to be close behind. They didn't know it would be seconds behind. Uh, that was actually pretty cool, seeing Dilworth call him in um, and, and and he announced that he was committing to Carolina. Um, and this is another big one. You want to talk about a guy that uh, had some big-time schools going after him. I mean, some of the schools in his final group were schools like Georgia, who was, he was originally committed to. And Carolina uh, was one of the big factors as to why he ended up decommitting. Clemson was in there, as well as Florida, who was making a push for him. LSU. So some big-time players in there. Carolina ends up landing his commitment over those guys. And uh, this guy... Is, is I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's going to come in with the size to be able to play already. 
he's big. I mean, he's 6'4", 325, so he won't have to put on any weight. And he has the size to play inside. He plays outside at the high school level, played offensive tackle. Um, since his senior year, he started every game for West Forsyth out there um, and really ha- has done a pretty good job. I still think that there are some questions about his lateral quickness. I think some of the, the, the faster guys in the ACC would really bother him if you had to put him all out at offensive tackle. But he's got really good upper body strength, and he's a guy that can just simply overpower guys. I think that fits exactly what the Tar Heels need inside, and he is athletic enough to still be able to pull block like the Tar Heels want to do with their offensive linemen. Um, I'm assuming that you, being a, a guy that's um, really been around, you know, focused on this class with, with us uh, here on the podcast, you've been able to learn a lot about Jared Wilson. What did you think about his, his commitment and his tape when you went back and watched it? Well, like you said, I mean, he had a lot of guys that were on him, uh, a lot of top schools you know, that we talk about often that were on him and wanted his signature, um, so much so that he was initially a Georgia commit uh, who then decommitted when former UGA offensive line coach Sam Pittman went to be the head coach of Arkansas. So, you know, he was a guy that had legitimate interest from these big programs. And like you said, you put on that film and you can see it. He is an absolute mauler on the offensive line. Big, physical, really sort of plays with a mean streak, uh, you know, as they say. Like you said, you know, plays offensive tackle in high school, will most likely move inside. I think that's probably his ultimate position, but really just a key pickup. Uh, a guy that I think is probably better than his current ranking as a three star, um, based on what I've seen, you know, without having the spring and summer camp circuit, that might sort of hurt that ranking going up. Right. But I think, you know, for Tar Heel fans, they can definitely look at the film and then, you know, as the years come by, look out and say, hey, this was a guy that can really be an impact player here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely, of course, some technical things that they're going to work on with them. But I, I like, you know, what you said got got sort of the uh, the mean streak to them. Uh, can really, uh, really has no problem putting even bigger defensive linemen on their back, and that's what I think helps with with the size. Um, and, and and it's a position. The other thing that's really good about this, and and this is a really talented guy as well. Like you said, I mean, some sites have him as a four star. Um, he's a three star. We go with twenty four seven sports composite rankings. So whenever we reference the star numbers, we're going uh, with the composite rankings because that's the sum of all three. So that's how we go. But really, a, a, a talented guy. But the thing that I like the most about this is I think this is a guy that can use some time to develop and. He'll They'll have that time to develop because the Tar Heels are not going to be dying for interior linemen. They've got a guy in Marcus McKeithen who's who's going to be there and looks like he's going to play a lot uh, over these next couple of years because he's a really talented guy. He's not going anywhere after this year. Um, same thing, you've got Ed Montillis, Joshua Zudu, who rotated at the uh, left guard position for most of last year. Um, Billy Ross is behind them as well as a guy that started 13 games in the 2018 season. So Carolina has a lot of really good depth in, on the interior, even if they need him at center, you've got Brian Anderson, who's still going to be there after this year. Ty Murray, who really shined in his limited snaps. So 
there's there's some time for him to grow, and I think that's the big thing. The other thing that I really like about this pickup is just from seeing him on social media, he's another one of those guys, kind of like Keyshawn Silver, who I think is going to have a big impact in terms of getting guys to campus, getting big-time recruits here, talking to guys like maybe a Tony Grimes, who's one of the top players in the country, but really likes to connect with some of the other guys and hear from them why it would be good to join them and and, and become friends with them. So I think Jared Wilson is one of those guys that's going to help you not only when he gets to Carolina on the field, but when it comes to getting this class together, he's got that type of leadership feel to him. And I think that's going to be huge for Carolina. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Any anything else, uh, any other comments on these two guys today? I think uh, a very successful day for the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail. Yeah, well, I mean, one more thing real quick. As you mentioned, I mean, they did this essentially together. Um, so that was really cool to see. I mean, it's one of the rare occasions that you get a sort of a double commitment. I don't think anyone had sort of an idea, obviously, except for the staff, that this was going to happen. And locally, these two guys are local enough that they were able to, you know, get together and do this. So um, it, it was really cool to see um, as we sort of, you know, as we'll get into, I think when you have, you know, two commitments like this, it really sort of builds that momentum that we've seen throughout um the 2021 recruiting process so far where the Tar Heels have gotten, you know, a big commit or a big set of commits and it's, it's built this momentum. I mean, the more guys you add, that's, um, to put it one way, it's the more recruiter you're having. And like you mentioned, you know, Rara Delworth and Jared Wilson can be some key ones. And I, I think that really, you know, starts to weigh on these, you know, on the minds of these uncommitted prospects, specifically the ones in state uh, that look at, you know, we've heard these promises or these goals from North Carolina of building a fence around the state or building a program within state players. And, you know, here's just another point of example of, here is the Tar Heel staff accomplishing that goal, but then also here are my friends that are, you know, actively trying to get me to come with them, you know, to be a part of this process and be a part of this movement within the Tar Heel state. Yeah, and I mean, it's amazing to see the amount of talent that the Tar Heels have already gotten out of the state. Um, this is a class that right now, according to 24-7 Composite Sports Team Ranking, uh, is number two in the country, uh, behind only Ohio State, who is putting together one of the best classes ever. Already a class that I believe, if I remember seeing this right the other day, would be in the top five of classes that just finished up in the 2020 class, and they only have 16 commitments. So they have landed some elite prospects there. But Carolina is... is still they're they're still pretty far behind them. I don't know if they're going to catch them at number one, but even to be number two, this is unprecedented, especially with the fact that you, you think about where this program was when Mac Brown took over, and the fact that a lot of people were kind of afraid that this was going in the wrong direction, this was going to be a team that um, was going to kind of slip back into, um, you know, from, from being you know the team in 2015 that people saw and said, okay, they're finally looking like they've got some momentum with Larry Fedora. Maybe they can capitalize on on what we've always heard. You know that they they have the talent there. It's just they're that sleeping giant. And, and Mac Brown has immediately come in, put life back into the program, and now has this team 
fighting against some of the top teams in the country for prospects and, and, and has them in the top five. I'm at number two right now. Uh, nationally in recruiting, I think they'll probably stay somewhere up near the top there. I would be very shocked if this team falls out of the top 10 at this point, probably the top five in these classes. And one of the big things that we always talk about when you talk about teams that have the ability to make the college football playoff and win the national championship, you have to be able to recruit. Again, we're not trying to say that this is a team that is ready to go win a national championship this year or next year or maybe even the year after that. But if you're going to get there, you have to be able to recruit, and Carolina's doing it right now. Uh, of course, the class now also ranked number one in the ACC. They've actually jumped over Clemson, and that is saying something, considering that Clemson is coming off their best class um, in program history back in 2020. Carolina is really making some strides, and it's getting a lot of people to think. And some of those guys that are thinking and kind of wonder who could be next, guys like Javari Ritzy, a guy that is – a teammate of Rhaenyria Dilworth has been a longtime target for the Tar Heels and uh, is a guy that is needed. Uh, Carolina could use another defensive end in this class. Uh, it's not a, a huge need like we talked about, really. Uh, there are only one, maybe two significant needs left in this class. Carolina's done a great job the last two classes on the defensive line, but he's a guy that you could talk about. Um, Peyton Page is a guy that uh, is, is interesting because he's seen a substantial drop in the, in the rankings over these last couple of weeks, but is still a highly sought-after prospect and released his top three the other night. Now looked at as a guy that's probably going to be committing here sometime soon. Could he potentially be that next guy that joins? Damian Wilson, who we talked about, and there's also some other guys. So when you look at some of these big-time names that are still out there for the taking, I mean, do you feel like any of them are, are, are close to popping in, in, in your mind, or do you think it's still going to be a little bit of a waiting period? Yeah, I think that there are reasons to feel that some of these guys might pop you know, pretty soon, and there's reasons to feel like, you know, that they might wait a little bit. I mean, you start with really the biggest one that you mentioned, and Jabari Ritzy, um, another force at County guy, actually, like uh, Jared Wilson and Ra Ra Dilworth and teammates uh, with Renaria Dilworth. So in terms of reasons that I think that he could jump on sooner rather than later, it's having those local connections. It's having those guys that he's had that, you know, connection with. He's got a teammate now. Um, so someone, you know, right there in his high school that's, you know, another elite commit, another guy in his ear saying, hey, come to Chapel Hill, come play for Mac Brown, come be a Tar Heel. So I feel that that factor, you know, plays a big role. And, you know, now it's kind of like the pressure's on him to join that movement. Um, if there's any factor that would lead me to think that he would wait, um, it's that that was really, you know, the consensus idea from his recruitment before now is that, he was looking to take additional visits. He wanted to go, you know, to places like South Carolina, like Georgia, like Tennessee, you know, see all those programs really go through the full recruitment process before, you know, making his announcement. So it's kind of still up in the air just because he, before today, was pretty adamant about, you know, I'm going to take my visits. I'm going to stay pretty open. But, you know, you never know when you have these sort of local connections. Um, another guy that you mentioned um, also sort of in the triad area of uh, in Greensboro there, Peyton Page um, announced his top three of uh, Clemson, uh, Tennessee, and, of course, North Carolina. Uh, could he be a prospect that's kind of feeling that same thing? Obviously not um, the Forsyth County sort of connection 
that I mentioned, but, you know, local buzz, more guys in the state, you know, that are probably in his ear about joining the Tar Heels. Um, so, you know, that could be one. Um, we've seen pretty stiff competition there from both Clemson and Tennessee. It seems like Clemson kind of has the inside track. So if there's anything that would lead me to believe that you know, maybe it's not having the impact, it's the prior relationship with Clemson and that sort of, you know, momentum up until this point. Uh, one more guy I wanted to mention, which, um, you know, if you keep up with these guys on social media, kind of saw some of it today, is uh, a wide receiver out of Reedsville, North Carolina, Breon Pass, a uh, three-star in-state wide receiver. Uh, seems like he has some interest in the class, so it could be some movement there, obviously, with two wide receivers from in the state committed, and Gavin Blackwell and Kobe Pesauer. Um, could be looking at another one uh, within the, you know, uh, Longo offense, you're looking to use multiple wide receivers, three to four wide receivers, you know, in any given uh, play. So always looking to add wide receivers. That could be another one, another in-state guy that's, you know, saying, look, there's limited spots. I don't know how many wide receiver spots are left. Let me come join this class while there's still a spot available to me. And, and pass is really interesting because he has been hinting at some stuff on social media that leaves me to believe that he is going to probably have to make a decision between basketball and football. And and, and Breon Pass, I've seen some of his highlight tape. He's really he's a really good basketball player. Um, I was kind of wondering for a while there because his commitment has kind of been, uh, or recruitment, excuse me, has kind of been uh, very quiet. And I was wondering if maybe he was looking into the possibility of finding a school where he can kind of play both, get scholarships from both. Um, but I, I don't know if maybe that just isn't kind of working out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think that this is definitely something that's interesting for him. One thing that's that's kind of kind of um, um, weird about the wide receiver position is it's kind of hard to get a read on which guy the Tar Heels are really trying to hone in on because there's pretty much four of them that come to mind when you talk about that position. And, and I am of the belief that they are going to probably take on another wide receiver in this class, mainly because when you look at Gavin Blackwell, um, smaller guy, Kobe Paysauer, a little bit smaller than you may realize. So guys that... Uh, you know, if you had to play them on the outside, you'd feel you you could, um, but you'd feel more comfortable if you had a guy with a little bit of a bigger frame, uh, which kind of fits the outside a little more typically because you're looking for those guys that are kind of six three, six four, like Bo Corrales, like Deami Brown are right now, um, and that's where some of these other guys are going to come into play. Breon Pass uh, is is one of those guys. Um, I don't think he's up in that range, but is a guy that, um, just from what I saw him when he played against Steve Surrey earlier this year when I scouted that game, can go up and get the football, um, is a really talented player. Then you've got um, a guy out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, who just announced his top 10, Carolina was a part of it, um, is now a guy that's really trending up in terms of a lot of the recruiting rankings, um, just became a four-star according to 24-7 Sports, still a composite three-star, um, but should end up moving up whenever some of the these other sites update their rankings. That's J.J. Jones, who's been talked about a lot. Now, the thing about him is been linked a little bit more, of course, to South Carolina because he's got the connection to a guy that just committed in that class uh, this past year, Luke Dottie, who is his quarterback um, at Myrtle Beach High School, also has a good connection with West Virginia, but Carolina is still pushing for him as well. Um, and then there's a couple other guys who took some big-time drops um, 
in the last rankings uh, from 24-7 just the other day in both Michael Crowell, who's an in-state guy, missed all of last season with a knee injury, but a talented guy, got a big frame, can go up and get the football, um, but is still a guy that's kind of seen as more of an after-the-catch type guy than he is a, 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 a go-up-and-get-it. Has that ability, but doesn't do it often. And then James Blackstrain was another name that we heard. Remember, he was supposed to take a visit to campus in late February before everything of course got canceled um or no excuse me late march late march before everything got canceled um he ended up kind of having to just you know cancel everything all the visits still plans on taking a visit to carolina so those are the four guys to keep an eye on there um and you know i i think some of the stuff that you that you mentioned with with ritzy was interesting um he's kind of confusing though because anytime you see like he'll start talking about a school a lot carolina's gotten it a couple of times nc state's gotten it a couple of times you think okay maybe he's close to making a commitment because he's on here every day talking to guys well, then he doesn't end up making a commitment. Uh, so, I, you know, he's, he just keeps, you know, kind of keeping his his stuff under wraps. So the good news is he has a top five in place, so that's at least something. Uh, but at the same time, it still seems like he's a guy that uh, might end up holding out. Um, I'll put you on the spot here just really quick. If there's a guy that commits in this class next, who would you think it is? I think it would be one of two prospects. I think it would be Ritzy if it's going to be anyone just because, you know, as we're whittling down the list of prospects, there's only so many left right. uh, that, can, can, that can commit. So of the ones that I think would be the most likely, I think it would be Ritzy. If I had to list another name, it would be the wide receiver, you know, out of Myrtle Beach, J.J. Jones that you mentioned, obviously has that South Carolina connection, has the uh, West Virginia connection, but as you mentioned, you know, more likely than not, the Tar Heels want to add a bigger, you know, true outside receiver in this class. Um, he really fits that mold, probably the best out of any prospect they still have on the board. So, you know, while I'm not there with a the staff, I think he'd probably be uh, at the top of their wide receiver board, if not near the top. So I could see him being an option um, here soon. But, you know, I'll ask you the same thing. Uh, is there anyone else that you think is really, you know, looking to potentially make that move and join this target class? I, so Ritzy, I, you know, I'm going to keep him up there, but I've been saying that for a couple of months now. It, I, I still think that he's he's right on the on the border of committing to Carolina. I think now maybe with Dilworth committed, I think maybe that was part of the holdup was he was going to see if Dilworth went somewhere where maybe he felt like he could have an impact as well. Now he's at a spot where he would be able to, and that's one of the teams that he has a really good relationship with. So I'll still keep him up there. The other guy that's really interesting that I don't think enough people are talking about, and I think he could jump on now that they just got another offensive lineman to commit in this class is Colby Smith, the four-star offensive tackle out of West End High, or uh, excuse me, out of Rockingham County High School in West End, North Carolina. He just released his top five last night. 
but it feels like he's you know getting pretty close to that point. I still think that there's there's some competition. Tennessee's in there as well. Um, in Tennessee, you can see that they're starting to sort of make a little bit of an impact in the state because I mean, he's in, Peyton Page has them in there. Um, there's been a couple other guys who have been considering uh, Tennessee as well as another guy that's an in-state player that ended up committing there at the defensive tackle position in Isaac Washington, um, who goes to East Surrey High School, uh, which is where the Tar Heels did a lot of work this past class. Um, so I think that that's a that's one team to keep an eye on with him. NC State as well because they're an in-state school and have gained just a little bit of momentum. But I still think that Carolina has really shown that they are the team to play for in this state. He's one of the state's top prospects. And Carolina is, is always looking for those athletic offensive tackle types. That's what Colby Smith is. I think that with another offensive lineman committing in this class. Now there's two guys here, and the last two classes Carolina has brought in nine combined guys. I feel like he's got, he, he may realize that, hey, there's there might not be too many offensive line spots open in this class. He might jump on. So Colby Smith is the other guy to keep an eye on, but I'll probably, I'll, I'll go and say Ritzy is the next guy to commit, but uh, you just never really know with him. So um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about just before we get out of here, just wanted to touch on it really quick, and you know I'd like to get your opinion on it as well. Uh, Avery Jones, a uh, redshirt freshman from this past year on the offensive line, uh, he entered the transfer portal today. That kind of slipped under the radar with everything that was going on um, in terms of the football commitments as well as Cole Anthony declaring for the NBA draft uh, from the from from the basketball team. But, uh, it, you know, this is, you know, not a huge loss for Carolina, but it is something significant just because this was a former four-star offensive guard prospect, um, a guy that came from Havelock High School, a place where Carolina's got some really good ties there. Of course, uh, they got Wilton Spotsfell, who's on the roster right now as part of the 2019 class that was from there. And, of course, uh, the Torrio running back commit in this class. Kamaro Edmonds is from Havelock. Uh, he ends up going and, and entering the transfer portal, though, Avery Jones does um and you know really only only saw action in one game his entire career at Carolina although it was only two years redshirted the first uh, saw action last year for one snap against Mercer um, but ends up moving on uh, I don't think it's really too much of a big deal um, of course we wish Avery Jones the best and and, and think he I, I still think he's a talented guy that that has a future somewhere but Carolina as I mentioned nine commitments along the offensive line in the last two classes still talk about a group that only lost one star from this past year also returns a couple of guys as we talked about uh, whether it's Ed Montillas or Joshua Zudu who starts one of those guys will be coming off the bench and then there's of course Billy Ross uh, who has the experience from starting in 2018 who's still back there and can help you if needed um, I, I don't think it's a huge concern it also helps that in the 21 class you landed a guy uh, at offensive guard uh, today but what did you think uh, about the news that Avery Jones was transferring? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly uh, a situation worth the purchase of just with him being a, a former four-star, like you mentioned. Um, it's obviously, you know, it seemed like he, he really had an interest in playing here, so you sort of feel for him that uh, he feels the need to move on. Um, in terms of the Targill situation on the offensive line, I don't believe that he was in the two deep, uh, so it's not really any sort of depth loss. And then, you know, looking at the offensive depth as a whole, uh, they really have 16 scholarship guys on the offensive line right now, including, you know, the incoming true freshman uh, that should be there in the 
fall, yep. uh, and none of them are rising seniors or redshirt seniors. So, you know, potentially you can have all six all sixteen of these guys back the next year. Now, more likely than not, that won't happen. Obviously, right. they're recruiting guys in this twenty twenty one class. Um, guys may uh, elect to go early to the NFL if that is potentially an option for uh, any of them this year. One or two more might transfer. That that's always an option when you're sort of you know involved in uh, this roster construction in college football. But um, it, it's really something that you just uh, you wish the best of the kid and hope that he finds you know an opportunity that he feels best for him and and best for his uh, athletic and academic career. And you know one that um, I don't think will be too much of a concern uh, for this Tar Heel staff or Tar Heel personnel. All right, and so uh, that wraps up an action-packed edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Uh, again, thanks uh, for coming on with us tonight. I know uh, everything's been a little bit crazy, but uh, I know you wanted to get on here and talk about these guys, and uh, I'm glad you were able to do it with us, man. Yeah. Yet again, thanks for having me. Like I said, you know, each time, you know, it seems like we've been coming on here more and more, but that's just the state of Target recruiting these days. It's, it's it's a new guy, you know, everywhere you look. So always glad to be here and always glad to talk some Target recruiting. And there is potentially more excitement on the horizon uh, these next couple of days. Uh, some of these other major targets could end up choosing to jump on. We don't know uh, anything yet. There's no other scheduled commitments, as we told you, besides Bryce Steele's tomorrow. And as of right now, uh, we're not going to put you guys on commitment watch for that one. It really feels like he's probably going to go uh, and, and go south to South Carolina. But um, we'll, we'll have you covered, of course, here on the podcast and on the Heel Tough blog website if anybody else jumps on and of course uh head over to the heel tough blog website that's where we've got both of the uh commitment articles for you they're actually one article um it's combined so we got dilworth and wilson both in there uh, we have a breakdown of, of both players what we see on film uh, or what i see on film from them as well as uh also their stats from high school just so you can get a feel um, Ra Ra Dilworth, amazing. I did want to mention that, and I just remember that now. A 198 total tackles this past year as a junior. So nearly 200 total tackles in one season. Only played 14 games, too. This wasn't a team that made a run all the way to the state championship game, either. Um, so the Tar Heels are getting a volume tackler in that as well. So that's uh, really, really encouraging to see. Uh, so make sure you guys head over to the website, check that out. Of course, uh, we've got you covered with uh, everything else. I've got the Avery Jones article up there as well. You guys can go ahead and read that. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll have the, uh, the the adjusted needs article for the Tarials, give you the biggest needs remaining in the class of 2021. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, an interesting read because we're going to have to do a little bit of digging and kind of make some tough decisions to see which position we think uh, may, may maybe needs a little more attention than the others because the Tarials have done such a great job of addressing any of the needs that they have in this class already. So uh, that'll be up there. Um, and then, of course, for basketball, we've got you covered with everything that's going on. Uh, there are some big-time uh, commitments expected. Dontrez Styles, the 2021 four-star guard, is expected uh, to make his commitment sometime tomorrow. And then uh, we will also have you covered whenever Kerwin Walton makes his decision, uh, which is expected to be either Friday or Saturday of next week. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. I know it's the 24th or the 25th, so 
We'll have you covered with all of that. And, of course, we uh, got the article up there now that you can go and read on Cole Anthony going to the NBA. So we got you covered with all that. HeelToughBlog.com is where you can check all that out. As for the podcast, make sure that you guys, if you could, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, rate and review. Uh, that's to try to get us moving up uh, some of the rankings. Um, really just uh, on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, places like that. Um, and the reason that we ask you to do that is so that we can get some more people that can join in and, and listen to the show and listen to all this great content that we have. You know, you guys are listening to this now. There are some Toriel fans out there who really don't, you know, maybe don't know about this yet. So if you rate and review, the podcast is able to move up in the rankings. Um, there are so many great Toriel podcasts that it's it's hard to compete and we kind of get buried. So if you guys rate and review, it will move up. Um, and then, of course, the subscribe is for you so that you don't miss uh, any edition of the podcast. We're going to be doing, of course, uh, more of these recruiting podcasts whenever we end up landing commitments or if we've got a big one coming up we'll of course do that um, and then of course we have all the great interviews that we've been doing the quarantine interview series um, we're not even halfway through the library of interviews that we've got there's some great ones coming up with former Tar Heels all the way from recent guys like Jake Waller who stopped by not only to talk about his Tar Heel football career but movies as well even go back into the 90s with quarterback Chris uh, Kildorf. Um, went back into the 80s with uh, quarterback Scott Stankavich. And then uh, even all the way back into the 70s, James Betterson joined us as well. So you don't want to miss any of those coming up. Make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. So once again, want to thank Zach Hubbard for joining me tonight. Want to thank you guys for listening. And lastly, we want to tell all of the healthcare workers out there that we appreciate you so much here on the podcast make sure that you guys show your support for all of the healthcare workers who are working through this right now while we're at home they're putting their lives on the line to keep us safe so make sure you stay safe stay home and go Tar Heels